the reading today is from Acts, um, beginning at chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to siege Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to, get to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them, for, it opened for them by itself and they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, called Mark, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And may God bless the reading to us. Okay, well, I'm going to be looking at the passage Jenny read. And uh, let, me just, let me just ask God that he'll bring us truth and an insight as we look at this passage. Lord, thank you for your word. And as, uh, as I preach now, and as we all consider what your word speaks to us, uh, I ask that your Holy Spirit will work among us, in us, with us as a church, and that you will bring much light into our lives. And I pray this in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so Acts chapter 12. Now, there are many occasions where the Bible makes connections between different events. Uh, these events might take place uh, at very different times, in very different places, and for entirely different people. But the Bible links them up with perhaps a recurring phrase, or a similar setting, or an echo of, an, of the earlier story. 
And it's in the connections often that we see God spanning time and working in the same wonderful ways throughout history. And as we see that in the Bible, the Bible is encouraging us to remember ourselves who God was in the past, who he is today and who he always will be. And these connections actually really matter because in a very real sense, it is what our, our faith depends on, that the God we see revealed again and again and again in the past is the same God that we know today in our lives and in our world. So our faith in many ways actually extends those connections that we already see and, and our faith extends them beyond the Bible's pages and brings those things into our own lives today and our own relationship with God. By faith, we become, in, if you like, the next connection along the way as God works among us today, just as he's done in the past. Now, there are many different ways that the Bible's authors uh, make those connections. But I want to just think about one particular type of connection this morning. And this is where the Bible highlights certain patterns or similarities between events, patterns that seem to recur at completely different times, completely different places, but where God is present and he's working in quite similar ways in each of those stories. And it's, so think of it like this, it's almost like deja vu. Like you think, hang on a minute, we've been here before, this sounds familiar. And one example of that is found here in Acts chapter 12. Now notice straight away that the author, who's, who's Luke, he, he's very keen to tell us at the beginning of this chapter that Peter's miraculous escape from prison took place during the Jewish feast of Passover. Now Passover was when the people were remembering the much older events of how God rescued the ancient Israelites from captivity in Egypt, which we talked about earlier with the children. Uh, so at the beginning of this chapter here in, in, in Acts chapter 12, Luke twice points out that Peter's rescue from prison happened during that festival, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verse 3, which was part of the Passover festival, verse 4. Now, Luke did not have to tell us that. But why did he? Well, because he obviously thinks it's important. And in fact, whenever you see something like that in the Bible, you know, where there's some bit of information that seems a bit superfluous, it's often good to stop and think about why it might be there and how it might help and inform our understanding of what's being said. So as I say, Luke didn't have to tell us that it was Passover, but he did. And I think that's because Luke wants us to have the Old Testament Passover story, the Exodus, firmly in our minds as he now tells us about God rescuing Peter from prison. Because as Luke tells us Peter's story, he actually highlights a number of connections between the two, between what happened here for Peter and what happened in the much earlier rescue of the Israelites from Egypt. And part of what Luke is doing here, of course, is showing us that the same God who rescued the Israelites long, long ago is now also the one who is working through the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world, in Peter's world and in our world today. So our first slide, I want to have a look at some of the uh, next slide. And we're going to look at a few similarities between the Exodus 
and Peter's rescue in Acts 12. Now, in case you're not familiar with the much older Passover story, I hope you are after I sort of acted it out for you and for the kids. Uh, it's found in the book of Exodus near the beginning of the Bible. So this was thousands of years before Peter lived. And the ancient Israelites were slaves living in captivity in Egypt under the very harsh and cruel rule of a pharaoh, king of Egypt, who had enslaved them and persecuted them and increasingly was trying to kill them. And they cried out in their suffering, we're told. Now, coming forward to Acts chapter 12, we have another king who is very reminiscent of Pharaoh. We have King Herod, chapter 12 of Acts and verse 1, and Herod is taking captive those who belong to the church of Christ in order to persecute them. And he's killed James, the brother of John, and now he's arrested Peter and thrown Peter into prison, into captivity. And like back in the Exodus, the, you know, remember in the Exodus, the people cried out to God. Well, here as well in Acts 12, the people cried out to God, verse 5, they prayed earnestly. And remember, Luke has, has made that connection for us between Peter's captivity under Herod and ancient Israel's captivity under Pharaoh, because he's already twice mentioned that this is all happening at Passover, when the, when the memory of the Exodus story was so prominent, not just in people's minds, but in whole society that was celebrating and remembering that older story. Now, if we have the next slide, uh, going back to the old Exodus story uh, and to the Passover itself, what was Passover about? Well, God said that he was, this is back in Exodus again now, God said he was going to rescue the Israelites from their captivity and he would bring them out into freedom and a new life as his people. And the rescue would take place during the night. And that was very specific. Uh, God would bring destruction upon Pharaoh and Egypt so that the Israelites could get out and go free and be his people. And the night was very important in the Exodus story particularly at Passover. Uh, it's mentioned numerous times in Exodus 12, that on that night, on that special night, the Israelites would take a lamb and they would eat it and put its blood around their, the entrances to their, their dwellings as a kind of sign that they would be kept safe by God and rescued by him. And throughout their subsequent history, right up to today, they would continue to eat that same Passover meal every year to remember how God rescued them on that momentous night in history. But now come forward to Acts chapter 12 again and notice in verse 6 Luke specifically tells us that Peter's rescue took place at night as well. The night before Herod was going to put him on trial and notice that it says Peter was bound with chains he was under guard he's in captivity just like the ancient Israelites so long ago but on this eventful night now God would again rescue he was going to rescue Peter this time just like that night long ago in Egypt okay now next slide <clears throat> um, back to the exodus again and the Passover if you read Exodus 12, you'll see that it keeps talking about haste and hurry. Quick hurry, God said, the angel said. Uh, the Israelites would leave Egypt in haste. Up you get, Israelites, be dressed and ready, it said. And Exodus actually mentioned them putting, being dressed, you know, specifically putting on their sandals, Exodus said. 
You've got to put on your sandals, it says. You've got to gird yourselves with a belt around your cloak. Uh, Deuteronomy 16 points out that this was why they had unleavened bread at Passover, because there was no time for yeast and waiting for the bread to, to, uh, to, to rise and prove. No yeast, just get the bread unleavened and leave. You've got to leave in a hurry. Okay, that was the Exodus. Now come forward to Acts chapter 12 and verses 7 and 8 again. Peter's in prison and during the night we're told suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side. Wake up! And he said, quick, get up! And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And the angel said to Peter, put on your clothes, your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, the angel told him, and follow me. So do you see all those similarities there? In the middle of the night, quick, make haste, put on your sandals and your cloak, we're going. Even the items of clothing are similar here in Acts to what had happened in Exodus. Okay, and one more, we've got another slide. Uh, it's also significant that it's an angel of the Lord that leads Peter out of prison because in Exodus 14 verse 19, it also says it was an angel of God who led the Israelites out of Egypt, traveling in front of them at night, giving them light. Just like Peter's cell was lit up by an angel that now led Peter out of captivity here in Acts 12. And the next slide, uh, one more connection. Uh, back in Exodus, the Exodus story, in Exodus 14, there was a problem. The Israelites got to the Red Sea and, and it seemed completely impenetrable, the sea in front of them. How would they escape when the Red Sea blocked their way in front, uh, the mountains either side and the Egyptian soldiers were behind them? And what would they do? And here in Acts 12, come forward to Acts 12 again now, Peter faces a slightly similar situation in verse 10. It's the iron gates that are shut in front of him. How will Peter escape when the iron gates of the prison are shut in front of him and Herod's guards, Herod's soldiers are behind? So for Peter here in Acts 12, the iron gates are the equivalent of the Red Sea blocking his escape. And what did um, God do for the Israelites uh, back in Exodus? He, God, in the, in the Exodus, God parted the Red Sea, opening it up so that the Israelites could walk through to freedom. And what does God now do for Peter in Acts 12, verse 10? The iron gates parted, opening by themselves so that Peter could go through, led by the angel, walk down the street, rescued set free and could join his people, his community. The gates opened, it says, and they went through. So those prison gates here in Acts 12 opening, uh, they're Peter's parting of the Red Sea. Um, and I think we're meant to see this as another exodus, if you like. You know, in verse 11, Peter says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's Clutches. And as for Herod and his soldiers, if you actually read on in Acts 12, Herod's, Herod and his soldiers, much like Pharaoh and his soldiers in Exodus, Herod and his soldiers end up in chaos and confusion. And Herod, who thought he was a god, it says in Acts 12, 22, just like the old Pharaohs thought they were gods, 
and were worshipped as gods. Herod, like Pharaoh, ended up dying a tragic death. Okay, so let's just have the next slide and think beyond Acts 12 into our own lives. So I wanted to show you how Luke, led by God's spirit as he wrote this book of Acts, was able to see and share with us those connections between God's actions in the past, when he rescued the Israelites, and God's actions for Peter and the church here as the good news of Jesus was first beginning to spread around the world. Like back in Exodus, there seemed to be so much that was against God's kingdom and God's love and God's gospel and hope. Things here in Acts that seemed to be against that good news of Jesus who died and risen again from, from being spread and shared and believed in so much that seemed against it, like in Exodus, the power of Egypt seemed against the Israelites and Moses. But in the end here in Acts, just like in the Exodus, God is still that God who rescues and restores and opens even the most impossible doors. The God of seas parted and of iron gates being opened. And that is, of course, above all because of Christ's resurrection. Think of the resurrection of Christ. God is even the God who breaks the chains and the bars of death and sin for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And I think God wanted Luke to write this down when he did. Firstly, because the early church needed it. They were going through a huge amount of persecution um, as we read here in Acts. They needed to see that the God who had sent his son, Jesus, into the world was indeed the very God of the Passover that they remembered. A God who works justice and righteousness, who hears the cries of the captives and rescues them. And even if they died for their faith, like James in this uh, chapter, even there in death itself, God is the God who rescues us because Jesus Christ is risen. And even there in death, we shall rise too through Jesus Christ. And as we think about it today, I don't want to be too specific really, because it may apply, how does this apply in your own life? That God is that God of the Exodus and of the rescue from captivity for Peter too, the God of the risen Christ. What connections does the Exodus and Peter and the resurrection of Jesus continue to make in your life today? in your captivities perhaps, whatever they may be, whether it's a Red Sea that hems you in or whatever other captivity in your life may be in front of you like a dead end, but that God wants to bring you out of death into his life as you follow Christ, out of the night into a new day through his son Jesus as you follow him. Because you must bring whatever that thing is, your captivity, Bring it to God and remember who he is. He's the one who hears and who rescues the captives. In a moment, we're going to be taking bread and wine. And really, that was why my thoughts came to this passage. This is our own, Jesus said, when he gave us this communion meal. It's our, it's our kind of new Passover meal that Jesus gave us. Because in this meal of bread and wine, we remember his death and resurrection, the Lamb of God, who is our salvation, and how he came into the world and lived for us and died for our sins 
and rose again for our new life so that Jesus is our freedom from captivity, our new life, both now and even into eternity. And so that we today, in our communion meal this morning, we will be connecting it all up in faith from the Exodus, Passover, to Jesus and his cross and resurrection into this day in history today in which we, we live and follow Jesus in faith. We connect it all up and see that it's in Christ that today we find God, like the Israelites found God. It is through Christ that God changes lives just as much as he changed people's lives in the past. And indeed, just as much as he'll continue to in the days to come, because through us, Christ will break the chains of injustice that hold many people in captivity around the world today. And I believe God means to do that through his people. Economic captivities, social captivities, racial, environmental, uh, relational, emotional, physical captivities, all sorts of things. But I believe through Christ and his people, God means to free our communities and free our world from slavery and lead us on into his life through Jesus, his son. Just uh, one more, next slide. Um, just to close, why does God want you to see these connections in the Bible? Because he wants you to know him. And he wants you to know that he, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. To know that you can trust him and you can depend on him no matter what, no matter what's happened in your own life, no matter, matter what is happening now for you. And so I pray that those wonderful connections that God shows us will become connected to your life today too, and each of our lives, so that we too, just like Peter said, we too can say, now I know without any doubt that the Lord has rescued me. Amen.